Fantasy. Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston. I'm a brand and marketing strategist, and I work with privately owned companies to help them scale. And today, I have Chris Clemens with me on the show. He is the founder and uh, and owner of exploringupstate.com. Chris, welcome to The Currency. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. We've talked about this for a little while, so it's good to make it happen. Yeah, so today we want to talk a little bit about a broad topic. We're going to cover some miles because Exploring Upstate is this really great online publication. Uh, I've been following you for years, and we finally connected not too long ago. We've been Twitter pals for a little while. That's right. And I'm fascinated by your perspective. You know, the whole project of Exploring Upstate is interesting. So we'll get into why I think this is relevant to the currency, but do me a favor and talk a little bit. What is Exploring Upstate? What's the project all about and what do you do? Yeah, uh, it, it has probably been evolving over the years. Uh, so I, I appreciate that you're, you're one of the folks that have uh, sort of seen that evolution over the years. But it really began as a, a way for me to document the uh, interesting stories and fascinating history and places in uh, my own backyard that I was discovering with uh, with friends. And uh, it, it actually started out as a uh, really small blog that I kind of anticipated that just my parents would be reading and <laughs> maybe a couple of my closest friends. And, uh, and then it sort of started growing into something bigger and bigger. And then the scope of uh, the, the topic got a little bit bigger. It's always been about upstate New York, but uh, it, it, it kind of went from one topic. Uh, and, and I know you, you, you know this, but your followers uh, won't. Uh, it really began speaking directly about the history of religion and spirituality in upstate New yeah. York. I remember some of those posts who were crazy. Yeah. I loved them. Yeah. And, and, that, and that was kind of one of the things that really pushed me off into the storytelling was I would tell other people about some of the history and things that happened like in our own backyard. And they would say, my God, I've lived here my whole life, you know, decades. And I had no idea that that was there. I had no idea that's what happened inside that building that I pass every day on my way to work. Uh, and, and there were so many more stories that weren't specific to religion or spirituality that I thought, you know what, I, I want to take this wider and, uh, and talk about anything as long as it had to do with upstate New York. Sure. So for listeners that are not in New York or listeners that are not even in the U.S., we have a, we have a really cool <laughs> growing audience here on The Currency. I'm just blown away. We've, we've got folks like in Athens, Greece. We've got folks in... Australia. It's just like nuts to see the the show growing. So thank you to everybody. But for folks that are not from the New York area, we refer to a certain part of the the state as upstate. And essentially, I mean, this is my understanding, Chris, and tell me if I'm wrong. Boy, man, I didn't know we were going to go so deep. We got to, hey, we got (laughs) to, we got to give, we got to give value right out of the gate here. But my understanding, and I think most New Yorkers understanding is uh, upstate is like anything outside of New York City, essentially. But how do you define upstate? So for the purposes, uh, so, so the goal of the blog and, and the, the website in total is to 
be a resource for people who are looking to discover things uh, outside of New York City uh, in terms of history, food, culture, things that they want to explore. And part of that is because if you Google uh, things to do in New York, uh, it's New York. <laughs> it's or, New York City. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there is no other New York well, in, t- in terms of anyone else. Um, I've traveled outside. and you live even out of state, just not out of the country. But if you visit other states, you visit other countries. When you say I'm from New York. Oh, you know, uh, yeah. Empire State Building, Times Square. It's like, no, like I live yeah. like six and a half hours away from that. Best. And it blows. Yeah. You see their minds kind of go, wait, what? Like, yeah, nowhere near it. Because they don't realize that New York is a state. It's not just a city. Right. Yeah. And and that and that really, I mean, that that statement right there is a, a lot of what I try to put into what I create for the website is that it is a state uh, and it's probably a state of mind also. And there's a whole bunch of other things that go along with <laughs> that. New culture. York state of mind. Exactly. We're, we're, we got like an upstate state of mind. Yeah. Um, that train already de- derailed and I forgot. So I was just trying to explain question. what, like what is upstate because for some listeners they hear New York, they don't realize that it's a whole state. So the concept of upstate, we're just trying to get our yeah, minds around th- that. I think uh, I think it is going to change with every single person you talk to. I think mm. that there are some people who live in the western part of New York, yep. you know, closer to Buffalo, who will say this is not upstate. This is Western New York right. specifically. There's Central uh, New York, and then there's Central the Finger Lakes, and there's a whole bunch more. What is Rochester? Are we Finger Lakes? I've I've done so much work on this and written so much about it, and the answer is no one knows. The experts just don't agree, <laughs> do they? Well, the problem is you you look so uh, we're for, like the middle child in the are, family, right? Ex- exactly. <laughs> but there's actually a lot of places in upstate who are like that. So for for the concept of upstate, in in most definitions, the idea of upstate is that it is not New York City. Mm-hmm. So you, you first need to decide how far out of New York City you need to go before the idea of New York City, the culture of New York City, no longer is affecting sure, that region. Sure. So a lot of people probably would say that somewhere, you know, maybe 45 okay. minutes to an hour out, you know, north. Getting into the Catskills up exactly, the Hudson a little bit. Exactly. Yep. yep. Past West Point, Bear okay. Mountain, somewhere in there. Um, but once you get past that, then we have these other regions. And I know this is mostly for the people outside of New York who are listening, but then, um, you, you, you do have those smaller, I guess, micro regions like Northern New York, which people call North country, uh, the, um, Watertown, Exactly. Yeah, okay. Well, actually, Watertown might even be considered part of the St. Lawrence Seaway, okay. which is an, another region. All right. uh, you've got the Southern Tier region. Yep. Uh, but many people would say that the Southern Tier region really is kind of Western New York, or uh, there's the Twin Tier region, which includes those few states at the bottom of New York and the northern states sure. along Pennsylvania. Uh, so you've got all of these really tiny uh, regions where the culture uh, is actually quite different from the culture next to it. Uh, So when you go from the capital region in Albany uh, down to Cattaraugus County in the lower left-hand part of the state, things are very, very different. Uh, And and, and as far as I'm concerned, both of them are fantastic. And And I think that there are things that exist stories that exist, places that exist, food that exists, history uh, from both of those places that we all really need to, to be aware of. And, th- and that really is the essence of what I try to do uh, on the blog. Well, it's really cool. I would encourage folks to take a look if you want to check out up, uh, exploringupstate.com. And the reason I want to have you on today, Chris, I guess is twofold. One is you are an owner. I mean, you have this business essentially, yeah. which is 
this website that promotes and tells the story of our state, you know, the, the upstate aspect. Right. And uh, just just the little, you know, arcana that we just talked about, about all the different aspects of New York and what's what, I think illustrates the other piece of it, which is you have a perspective across our state on different businesses, private businesses, maybe little shops and tourist areas and and factories and industries that have been here for centuries and generations. Yeah. And I thought it'd be really cool just to kind of talk about what you see. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about your work. I think that's enough, but I would love to talk a little bit about what you see as you go across the state. I think about, you know, you talked about how you started the blog with stories like, you know, the different spiritual kind of stories. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know like Charles Grandison Finney. Finney right. was big here. We had the, we're the burned over region. Yeah. There's a lot of spiritism and transcendentalism and all kinds of stuff in New York. But um, then the other hand, I read an article that you did on Victor Insulator, which is this yeah. really cool manufacturer just outside of Rochester. And they were involved in, you know, World War II. Is it World War II or World War One? Me too. Two. Yep. Making yep. the coffee mugs is a great story. Great photography. So, um, yeah, they they so invent they invented the classic American uh, that off white diner cup. diner coffee yeah. mug. Yeah, uh, and really, it was invented to. Um, well, I, I, you can read the article in full on the website, so I won't take up too much time with it. But really, the the, the Navy went out there and said, "Hey, we're having all these trouble." Uh, troubles with all of our stuff breaking because every time a ship swells, uh, everybody's coffee cup slides off the table and breaks. Can anybody build us something uh, that will withstand that uh, that kind of abuse? And sure. this little insulator company in Victor, New York, and uh, I think that's Ontario County. Yep. Uh, said, yeah, we can make something, and they created an American icon, really. Uh, and they're not doing it anymore, but their legacy uh, definitely continues. Yeah. We're sitting actually in Chris's home recording, and I'm looking at a shelf of these things right now. So <laughs> I'll make sure to post a, uh, wow, that thing's a tank. Yeah, Isn't I mean, it? It's, that's heavy duty. Yeah. yeah. You could win a war with a cup like this. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll do, I'll post a link to that article specifically in the show notes. But uh, And of course, I'll, I'll link to the the exploringupstate.com website too, but that's a great article. I would encourage anybody, if you're into business, if you're listening to this podcast, I think you'd really enjoy the story that Chris put together, some great photography, and and uh, it's interesting to see how this company kind of evolved with the times too. Totally, yeah, and, and I think that's part, I mean... I, 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 I'm a listener of your podcast also. And I remember at one point you talking about, uh, in, in one episode, I don't remember which one it was. You, uh, sometimes have this shiny object syndrome where you get really interested in <laughs> yeah. something and then move to the next thing. And, and exploring upstate has really allowed me, uh, an opportunity to fulfill that same, uh, sure. sort of, uh, syndrome is that I'll see something and think, uh, this is a really interesting historical story, but it also, um, has a number of other facets to it that are also important. Like you mentioned, there's the business aspect, there's the American culture aspect mm -hmm. of it. And it really touches on a whole bunch of different stuff. And as a result, I get, I, I get to handle all of it. So. I feel, I mean, I, I resonate with that too. There's an aspect to this podcast. I actually was sharing with a guest once. I said, um, I feel kind of guilty. This was like, I think, I don't think it was live. I, we were just talking. I, was, I feel kind of guilty because I'm really doing this because I'm curious. I'm not doing this. I mean, I, I want people to hear this story, but it's, it, it fulfills a hunger that I have. I just like to learn about 
companies and businesses hear their stories, hear their ups and downs, struggles, successes. Like, I just love that. And so there's an aspect I feel selfish, like this isn't fair. Uh, I shouldn't, you know, this seems like too fun. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, I, I absolutely can relate. I've had people come up and say, like, what you're doing for the region is is so great. And I, I feel so terrible when people say that because I think like I'm the one who's really enjoying all this. Yeah. I, I'm the one who gets to do all these really great things and discover these stories. But uh, but it's also certainly a lot of fun to share them with others. Sure. When you started the project, did you start it more as a creative project or did you have in mind like I want to turn this into a business and so I'm going to go on a business pathway for this or was it more just like hey I this is creative and I want to do it yeah it was totally creative uh it started out as uh a kind of a list uh that a buddy and I had that we were just going to go through and said hey you know we want to take these day trips and go see these things and I would tell someone like hey you know my buddy and I were going to see this and they'd want to see all the photos and they'd want to see the story. And then the next day at work, I'd tell someone and I'd have to tell the story again. And then the next day I'd have to tell the story again. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to write all this down (laughs) (laughs) instead of having to tell the story like multiple times every single week. Here's the story. You can go read it. Uh, So it turned into it it really started as a creative project, but then slowly turned into something uh, where more and more people were reading folks that I didn't know personally were mm-hmm. starting to read, mm-hmm. um, press outlets were starting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I realized like, Hey, people really do have an interest in this stuff and they might not necessarily know how to get these stories anyplace else. And then it sort of became, um, uh, uh like a, I guess a responsibility that I felt that yeah. like, Hey, now I really need to do this. How long have you been doing serious. this? Uh, I don't know. Eight, eight, eight or eight or nine years. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and I've seen, like, I, I've, I've seen actually, um, interviews that you've had on local media. Yeah. I've heard you, you've been on the radio. I mean, it's opened up some doors for you, I think, to, to have a, in a way for me, especially tied into our, our region, you kind of become a voice, like an advocate for upstate New York and in all its many aspects, not just the food. Like I think, you know, there, there are blogs that do food. There are, you know, Instagram accounts, they focus on certain things. Sure. You're kind of just a booster, a voice for the region, which is really cool. Yeah. And, and again, I don't know that I ever set out to do that. Um, it was more of me like, this is really awesome. You guys need to go check this out. And then people started looking to me like, Hey, what should I do this weekend? Uh, and then so it sort of developed over the years and I, it's, it's surprised me a little bit. Um, again, because I, I feel honored to be in the position that someone would come to me and say like, what should I do with my weekend? Or, Hey, I'm visiting from out of state. Where should I go? Sure. Uh, so there's a a sense of responsibility, uh, in in there as well, um, to be authentic in the stories that I'm telling and, uh, and, and how I'm sharing those. Uh, but yeah, it's put me in a a spot that is pretty unique. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's been a lot of fun. What do you like most about this project? I mean, is it, the traveling? Is it the writing? Is it the meeting people? No, the writing is probably some of the hardest. Because my next question would be, what are you, <laughs> what's been the hardest? Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's, uh, um, 
so, I mean, going back into my personal story as, you know, an early teen discovering authors that I really loved, like, um, mm-hmm. like John Steinbeck, uh, okay. was one that I really loved. Uh, and he, he did a book called, uh, travels with Charlie, okay. uh, where he just threw his dog in the pickup truck in the passenger seat and hit all the, the back roads. Uh, and then you've got, uh, like William Least Heatmoon had a book called Blue Highways and it was sort of these Jack Kerouac on the road yeah, type sure. stories, all the same thing. And, and those were the books that I was reading as a, an early teen. Uh, and I, I sometimes think back to that now thinking there is no way that I could ever, uh, ever come close to the type of storytelling that some of my, uh, literary heroes were able to not even close. Okay. Uh, and so, as a result, when I am sitting down and writing about something, I begin thinking there's no way that I can actually put the experience that I've had here into words where somebody else is going to connect to them. Um, and, a, I, and I know that, oh, what's that? No, I was just to say, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's like you're, you put so much pressure on you. I mean, <laughs> I think of Steinbeck, like, yeah, I, how many people are there like him or yeah. Kerouac? I mean, yeah. they're just so... Yeah. So it's great to have those people to look up to, but to start out feeling like I've got to measure up to that, it's got to be a tall to- order. Totally. And yeah, and yeah, and I don't want to take the currency into a self-help, uh, well, no, <laughs> self-help I'm not. realm of uh, me beating up on myself. But that, that that is, I think, one of the hardest parts of me um, trying to like find words to genuinely take these experiences and the people that I'm meeting and, uh, and, and the research that I've discovered that other people have done and put it into a story that other people, uh, want to read. And I think, uh, you know, the, the second part of what makes that difficult is in this day and age, uh, people are getting information very differently. Not everyone wants to sit down and read 3000 words. Right. Uh, some people want to watch a video. Yep. Some people want to listen to a podcast. Lots of people, yeah. 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 Some people want to listen to a podcast twice the speed because they want to get it faster yeah. than a regular podcast speed. Yep. Uh, so everyone's getting information in different ways. Uh, so so that's another thing that, that you're constantly thinking about. Some people only want to go on Instagram, and that's where they want all their content from. Hmm. Uh, so it's difficult to try to shape a story about something to try to reach... Um, uh, to, to create something that will resonate with a, a lot of people. But so, so the writing piece of it, the writing, the content has been probably the most challenging. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And keep, keeping up, uh, what do you mean by as, that? well, I mean, as like, as one guy, there's, yeah. there's occasionally where I, I'm like, you know what? I, I want a week off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't want to post to Instagram today. I don't yeah. feel like tweeting today. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes that, that, that can be overwhelming to constantly, you, you know, to constantly be creative, yeah. um, day in and day out can be, can be draining. Um, but I, I realized the question you, you, you asked was, what was fun about it. Yeah. What do you love the most? Yeah. What do I love? Um, and what it comes down to is being able to experience, um, all these discoveries, um, on, on my own, me being, um, in a new place and meeting new people and having an experience that I didn't anticipate. Uh, that's, I think what drives me. I, I, I think we have this idea that if we want a vacation, and we want to get away, mm-hmm. that we need to get an airplane ticket and go someplace far from home. And really, you could drive like probably an hour and a half from your house, sure. show up into a town you've never been in before, 
walk into a cafe you've never heard of before and eat something you've never heard of before. Um, and you can have that getaway experience yeah. uh, without having to make this huge financial commitment or time commitment. Yeah. So instead of one week, you know, exotic vacation, I have vacations every week. Do you schedule so, out your content ahead of time? Like, are you stacked with, I'm going here this weekend, there next weekend? Or are you kind of shooting from the hip a little what bit? What day is today? Today is <laughs> Tuesday. I actually had to ask my wife at one point, but I'm told it's Tuesday, right? Yeah. It all depends. Uh, if I'm in like Chris is focused mode, I'll schedule stuff out and I'll have an itinerary for what I'm doing. And this week I'm going to do this and I want to make sure I hit this region over here and I want to do this. And then there are times when I'm like, you know what? I'll find something to do Friday night. I'll look at my list and I'll get in the car and I'll just drive. So you just keep a hit list that you can refer I back do. to. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I forget stuff very easily. Yeah. So when someone says, hey, have you ever uh, looked into such and such? I'll take out my phone and put it in a note, go to the region where it belongs and then make my list. Okay. So. Well, I, I find too, I don't know about you, when I'm under the gun and this refer, this re, I guess this is, relates to content creation and marketing, but if I have to come up with a topic Oh, I need to write an article. I'm like, I don't know what, I got nothing. Yeah. But all throughout the day, all throughout the week, I've got ideas all the time. But when it's the moment to sit down and write something, if I just have to think of something, I go blank. It's the same thing. Like, where do you want to go eat? <laughs> I got nothing, but I love, I've got all kinds of restaurants. I love food. I, you know, I, but when it's the moment to make the decision, I go blank. So I think the, the kind of list, I appreciate the list approach because... I think that's what you need to do, man. Yeah. All, all week long when you have ideas for articles. Oh, yeah. As soon as you have it, you open up your phone. Oh, I've, got a, I've got a file. Yeah, I've got a file. <laughs> and then pick, pick one out. Yeah. I've done that with restaurants too, that I'll keep like a list of restaurants that I really want to try. Sure. So someone says, where do you want to go tonight? I'll say, any of this. Yeah, and just throw them show the them list. Yeah. Feel free to pick. So I want to get to, in a minute, I mean, we'll move there to in a, in a minute, but I want, to, I want to get to the whole concept of, you know, what do you see when you're traveling as far as the business landscape and, yeah. and some of those interactions? Before we get there, I want to kind of close the loop a little bit on exploring upstate, specifically around, you know, we talked a little bit about social media and being a one-man band, and it's like, oh, I've got yeah. to post. And what, what have you found around just promoting that? that business and, and that brand have there, have you, you know, discovered any secrets? Is it really just about grinding it out? Like what do you attribute the growth of exploring upstate.com to, uh, attribute, attributing the growth of the site and specifically talking about social media. I think there's a couple things, but the most important, um, is being authentic in the voice that you're using in those social media posts. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're, you're, when you're writing uh, a tweet as opposed to writing a, a post on Facebook, those are very different um, phrases that you're using because they're very different audiences. Okay. Uh, and obviously, there's crossover. There's people who use Facebook and Twitter. Sure. But, but generally speaking, when those posts show up in those feeds... Uh, people are, are anticipating being able to take in uh, the information a little bit differently. So uh, it's very obvious when you see a website that has automated social media posting mm. uh, because you can see the same exact post, go to Twitter, 
go to Facebook, yeah. go to, I don't know, any of the other ones, sure. Instagram, LinkedIn, LinkedIn wherever, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and you can, I use WordPress. I'm a huge fan of WordPress. Okay. Uh, and you can set um, some of that stuff up with WordPress plugins. Um, and I will never automate uh, any of that stuff to automatically publish. And I, I really think that putting a personal touch on each of those posts uh, means that you're reaching the audience that you're looking to because you are being your authentic self sure. on those platforms. But it's way more work. It's, I was, I was <laughs> going to say that's a lot of it's work. It's way more work. Like even when I publish this podcast, so I'll, I'll write up the article. So, you know, you publish everything to the, to the, um, the host. Yeah. It pushes it out to Apple and Spotify and all that jazz. Yeah. So I have to write the description for that. Then yeah. I have to go to my website. I set up the... The, the landing, the page, you know, for the post and all that jazz, embed the player. And, and I'm not good at this, but I, cause I just get like, once I've done this part where I have this great conversation with an interesting person <laughs> and then I do, I like post-production, you know, I'll do the post. Yeah. Then I feel like, now I just want to get the rest over with. Let's right. just get it out there. You want to get to the next conversation. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But I've noticed if I take time writing unique, um, descriptions for LinkedIn versus unique descriptions for Twitter, that it, it's so much better than just like this blanket sentence that I just push out there with one image. Totally. So if I make my image for LinkedIn square versus horizontal, that gets more traction because it's all format stuff. It's audience. So your point is well taken, but it is a lot of work. Yeah, It's way more. Yeah. Uh, And the other thing that I think is important is that there's probably people who, in fact, I know for a fact that there are people who follow, for instance, exploring upstate, on multiple platforms. So if I write a blog post and I put it out on Facebook and Twitter, the same person is seeing it twice. And ideally, I'd love for them to engage with it, at least hit like in both places. Uh, And so what that means is I need to provide a little bit of incentive for them to say, oh, whoa, I didn't see that before. Yeah. Um, And maybe, you know, maybe the cover image is the same because admittedly, I don't change that up for different platforms. Um, But but the language is maybe something a little bit different that hooks them slightly different than it did an hour ago when they saw it over on Facebook. Uh, I like that, too, because I feel like you're giving them a reason. So I might see it on Twitter and have an intention like, yeah, I'll check that out. But I'm distracted. Mm -hmm. So if later I'm on Instagram and I see it, it's a little different. It kind of. It's like, oh, oh, wait a minute. This, this is special. I want to check this out. I meant to earlier. Yeah. But if I, you know, I think we've all developed kind of a sense for content that's just blasted out there. Yeah. I don't know. We just, we just all feel it. So you kind of ignore that stuff because it's, it feels like the sender didn't put any thought into it. It's right. easier to just ignore it. So. Or at the very least, I saw that earlier. Exactly. I, I don't need to bother with this. I yeah. saw it. Yeah. So. Hey, my guest today is Chris Clemens. He's the uh, founder, host, publisher, and uh, and heroic uh, uh, shoulders behind exploringupstate.com. Do me a favor and check it out. Uh, we're going to take a break in a minute here, but you can go to Exploring Upstate. It's just as it's spelled, E-X-P-L-O-R-I-N-G-U-P-S-T-A-T-E.com. Nice. Exploring Upstate. And, and this is from a bad spelling. I don't know so if I know. could have done that. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I feel like I'm under the gun. I had to get it right. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. You can also contact Chris through the site if you want to maybe follow up with him. Maybe you have a great story that you want to share with him that he could check out or uh, learn a little bit more. So folks, we'll be right back with more uh, with our guest, Chris Clemens.
Folks, I hope you're enjoying today's interview. I have so much fun putting these podcast episodes together. It's such an honor to interview these folks, to learn from them, and to put this content out there. Look, if you like things that are marketing and branding related, if you want to become a better marketer, learn how to drive significant revenue through your marketing efforts to transform your brand into a real strategic asset, then I want to encourage you to go over to my website and sign up for my newsletter. The website is mikegaston.com. That's M-I-K-E-G-A-S-T-I-N. Just scroll to the bottom of the page and there's a little sign up form right there. You'll never get any spam. I will never sell your information. But what I will do, I will send you an email once a week with the new content that I've created. I put out videos about branding and marketing. I write articles about branding and marketing. And as you know, I create this podcast. So sign up today, get in the system and learn more about branding and marketing. Become a better marketer. Guys, thank you so much. Let's get back to today's interview. And we're back. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and this is The Currency. Our guest today is Chris Clemens. Chris, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. (laughs) It's a good conversation. I'm really uh, excited to talk about the second kind of piece, which is your perspective on business in our region, in the state of New York. Obviously, we're not talking about New York City. That's kind of its own thing, as we established earlier. It really is a different beast. (laughs) It's a different beast. But uh, and it's a beautiful beast. I mean, I love going down to New York City, but it, it is a beast. It is, and I would never want anyone to think that I don't appreciate New York City. It's more have been about that. There's other things to appreciate yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, we're just we're just the we're the kind of smart plain sister that gets overlooked. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, we got a little sex appeal. Yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, Chris. I want to talk a little bit about what you've been seeing in the state regarding business. Now, I re- recall maybe, a, I don't know what, it was less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. There was a video that you had posted of you being interviewed and talking about the economic opportunities of our region. And uh, was one of the news stations was, was talking to you about that. And I remember chiming in on social media saying, oh, this is great, but like I'm not seeing the data. Like, where what are, what are the plans? What are yeah. the strategies? Yeah. And I was really pushing that I want our region to do well, but I don't see how we're going to do well. And you had a much more positive, uh, upbeat perspective. And I'm and I'm assuming assuming that's based on what you're seeing across the state. What is it that gives you hope for our region? Yeah. So I, I if. If I'm thinking back to the news story that you were thinking of, I think what they were looking into was the story of how there was a large number of people leaving New York. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of those people were from upstate. That's and people right. were moving. And, <laughs> and I think that one of the, the things in that story was about how the economy in New York, particularly upstate, uh, is is difficult, so people are seeking greener pastures in other states, and one of those pastures being financial ones. Sure. Uh, so, um, I I, th- I think if you look, and, and part of the reason that I have hope uh, is because if you look at the history of of New York, uh, and, and really what I'm talking about when I say that is you know the last two hundred years or so um, since. Since since the land that we call New York became the state of New York as okay. part of the United States of sure. America, um, 
we've had to reinvent ourselves a, a number of different times, and not just because of the changing world, but um, because of how our economy has changed as a result of the changing world. So if you look at uh, our, our, our first big sweep in terms of becoming a boom, uh, Rochester was one of the first boom towns in the entire country. And what they mean by boom town was that the population increased exponentially year after year, so much so that we went from, you know, a few people living on our four corners to being a bustling city within a decade. When, do you remember what time period that happened? Yeah, so it was right around the Erie Canal. Okay. And, and, and that's just what I was going to mention was, uh, so uh, essentially 1820s into the okay. 1830s, right around that time. So for, for folks who are uh, for, from other countries and listening, the Erie Canal uh, was kind of one of the architectural marvels of its time. And it was finished in 1825 and essentially uh, was dug by hand and became a waterway that connected the Great Lakes mm-hmm. and uh, and the on the eastern side of that, right, which uh, we sit Hudson. right on Lake Ontario. Exactly. Yep. yep. And on the eastern side of that would connect uh, the Hudson River, so okay. allow access from Flows ocean right to into, Great Lakes. Yeah, New York City into the ocean. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, and as a result, that allowed people to tra- travel uh, from one side of New York to the other side much, much quicker. So prior to that, it you know, horse and buggy, it might have been a couple weeks. Wow. Um, and I don't know that it was Oregon Trail worthy, but yeah. maybe you didn't even make it to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely took a couple of weeks. And after, uh, you know, you've got these packet boats going up and down the state, you could actually get to the other side in a few days. Wow. Uh, so it, that meant a whole bunch of things. And, and in fact... Um, I, I don't know why, but one of the stories that's being triggered in my brain right now real quick was the fact that um, I, I read a book about how they could get fresh oysters in Batavia and how excited they were. Okay. Batavia is a small little city in between Rochester and Buffalo. Uh, so probably uh, a seven getting, hour drive to New York City now or six hours yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in 1840, getting oysters from New York City, Batavia, they were not fresh. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so they were super excited because they could get fresh oysters there and they, they weren't as bad as, uh, they would have been before. Uh, and, and it really allowed, uh, commerce and industry to thrive. And, um, Mike, I know you already know this, but here in Rochester, our industry became flour, uh, F L O U R. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 uh, began a grain industry here that was unprecedented in, in other areas. And we milled, we milled a lot. Is that because of the Dolomite Ridge? We had a lot of, we had waterfalls in this area, which would power mills, which would power grinding and all that. Or Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the Genesee river, um, much of what we know of the city of Rochester, um, was founded because of the first grain mill that was there by wow. uh, Ebenezer Allen. Okay. Uh, right, it's, it's right off of what uh, is now Main Street in the city. And, uh, you know, within just a couple decades, there were grain mills all up and down the river wow. that were powering all that. And that's how we originally became known as the Flower, F-L-O-U-R, city. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we became the first boomtown. And, and I know we're talking about upstate New York in general, everywhere that the Erie Canal passed through started to do really well because people were passing through there. Taverns were bustling. Sure. People were staying overnight and all kinds of, there was all kinds of different, uh, commerce, uh, doing well. 
Um, in fact, if, if we go back to um, the story from the first half of, of uh, this show, we were talking about the burned over district. I, I know yeah. you mentioned um, a lot of the religiosity and spread of spiritual uh, concepts also had to do with the Erie Canal and people were allowed to um, move their ideas much quicker than they were before. You didn't write a book and then have it delivered and be read by other people. Right. You could actually get on a packet boat and be in the next city in half a day. Wow. Um, so, and a lot of that helped spread the ideas of civil rights movements and abolition and women's rights and all the other stuff. Um, and that is a very, very, very long answer to (laughs) the concept of the economy. But what I, what I was setting all that up to say was in the latter part of the 1800s, we started to get railroads. Okay. And people stopped using the Erie Canal and people said like, hey, we can't find jobs anymore. And it wasn't that there weren't any jobs, is that there weren't any jobs in the Erie Canal okay. because people were now finding jobs in the railroad industry. So this is this idea so, of reinventing, exactly. a region reinventing itself. Okay. Exactly. Um, and, and if you go back to some of the the newspapers and things that people were writing back then, people were very depressed about the fact that things were difficult. And there was sort of this growing pains uh, mm-hmm. part. And then mm-hmm. we begin to see some of the history of the industrial revolution and people are now able to start making factories. And now we have, um, we've got steel in Buffalo. We have things being manufactured in Utica. We have the glove industry in Gloversville and the yep. Mohawk Valley. Okay. That was a huge, huge industry. Sure. Uh, so all of these industries and manufacturing Oneida silver. And, exactly. Oh, no, yeah. oh, that's a really unique story. That's a crazy story. <laughs> We'll have to have you back on because that would be a fun one to talk about. <laughs> we could we could do a whole episode I just about Oneida yeah. Silver. Uh, yeah, so you've got all of these manufacturers. Um, and, and uh, I mean, since we're both here in Rochester, we start looking at the history of Kodak and Xerox, yeah. Bausch and Lomb. Yeah. And, uh, and things were great. And I, it's not to say that we became another boom town, but we, we certainly had a, another boom and things yeah. were doing really well. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm a, a, a child of, uh, of Kodak. My, my dad was a Kodak retiree after decades of sure. service. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, um, uh, being a kid in the eighties and things were just like Kodak was everything. Oh man. Same here. I mean, like I think one in 10 or I think it was one in 10 working adults were Kodak employees. Something like that. Yeah. And then everybody else was either a, a Xerox or a Bausch and Laum. And, right. And really everybody else either worked for a company that supported one of those main industries. Yeah. Totally. Kodak was the king. Yeah. Yeah, king. Kodak really helped build a lot of what we know today as right. Rochester. I right. mean, George Eastman even fixed clocks if they were broken that weren't his. I mean, he would just say, here's the bill because yeah. I need that clock because yeah. it's in my city. Um, but, uh, but, but all that is to say, Kodak started to struggle sure. in the late 80s sure. and really began to struggle in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Xerox started to struggle. Bausch & Lomb started to struggle in these big industries started to struggle and people started saying there's no jobs here and the economy is falling apart. And the reality is it feels like that, but 
really what we're doing is we're going through another changing phase mm. and we're becoming a new economy. And that doesn't make it easy. And that's not sure. to say, hey, I know you're having a difficult time finding a job because you're 55 and you're forced to retire early. And, and I get the struggles of, of that. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that the economy sucks. Right. Um, we're, we're reinventing it right now. Yeah. Where do you see it going? Was it evolving to, is it too early to tell? No, I, uh, I mean... And I, sh I should state, just for the record, I mean, there's a l lot of vibrancy. Like, I'm encouraged on a, on a very anecdotal kind of qualitative level instead mm -hmm. of quantitative that you look around, there's very creative businesses, there's yeah. interesting food, there's great culture stuff going on. And these aren't all happening because of some government-funded, you know, effort. This is... Totally. These are entrepreneurs and people that want to see their community thrive. So Agreed. there's a lot going on. Uh, but I, I didn't mean to cut you off before you had a chance to answer, but I'm curious, like, do you see, is there a direction that we're moving in or is there something that we're evolving towards? Yeah, I think, well, I, I think the big employers are, are changing. Again, I know we keep talking about in Rochester, but the, the big employers in Rochester now are Wegmans, University sure. of Rochester. Sure. Um, but if you look statewide, tourism is the third largest um, industry in the state. Mm. Uh, and, and, uh, obviously, that's sort of what I do, um, yeah. but I, um, I, I, I strongly believe that to be a strong tourism destination, uh, we need to be a strong community for the mm -hmm. people who are living here, mm -hmm. first and foremost. And I think, to your point, uh, there are people who are saying, hey, I'm sick of waiting around for politicians to do things, to put things in place, to put infrastructure in place that will make me happy in my community, I'm going to start doing it. And, and you, you know where I've seen that a lot is actually in Utica mm. uh, with uh, Handshake City. They've actually built this tiny little grassroots movement where they moved these... Um, uh, can, can, um, flaking on the name, a container, like a shipping container. Shipping container. Yeah, a shipping sure. container. Yeah. They've used these shipping containers in this private lot and they set up these little pop-up shops. And, uh, and actually the city tried to say, hey, that was a really cute project, but you're done. And people freaked out and said, no, we can't be done because this is an empty lot that's sitting doing nothing. Yeah. And you guys haven't done anything with it. We want to continue. And they, they actually won. Uh, and okay. Handshake City is still still a thing. Uh, and, and I think what's happening is there are grassroots movements of people who really love and care and are passionate about where we live. And they're the ones who are saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but it's time that we start doing something. Huh. So rather than waiting for... I, I know before I said I didn't want to get political. <laughs> <laughs> But rather than waiting for Amazon to come in and sure. say, hey, we would love to invest a whole bunch of money and we're going to rescue your city. Yeah. Instead, then, people are please saying, please pick me, please pick me. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was so upset with that whole process yeah. for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, but instead, people are saying, we're not going to pick you. We're picking ourselves. We're going to do this. Right. Get out of our way, please. That, that to me, and, and this gets kind of at the heart of why... Um, I want to do this podcast. Why I want to, it's all about telling the story of private business. Now I think there are other stories attached to what you're talking about. It's not just private business. I don't, sure. I don't mean to say that I think private business fix everything like, Oh, I just had a heart attack. Well, private business, Mike, it's going to solve your, <laughs> no, I want to, I want a really good funded hospital. 
<laughs> with a doctor that's got like great uh, education, not an entrepreneur. Yeah. But but I, I still believe that your phrase, we're going to pick ourselves, I think that gets at the heart of entrepreneurship. I think that gets at the heart of people coming together saying, hey, we have an idea. I can't do this by myself. Let's do it together. Yeah. You know, and I think the whole concept of for profit, it, it gets abused a lot. It, there's some bad stories around it. But when you get at like communities, people, private industries, small, medium-sized businesses, um, there's something really special about that. And there and there are problems that, that something like that can solve quite quickly and efficiently, like that Handshake City. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Where the government even said, whoa, 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 you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. And the community said, we want this. Yeah. This is a place for us to do business, to have a better quality of life, to enjoy ourselves. And, and what were they doing that was, da- no one's getting hurt. Right. It wasn't like some deep secret, you know, black market, you know, back lot. It's right. like, this is a was, place for us to come and have a good time. And families and community. Yeah. yeah. And to me, I mean, I know that's not strictly private business, but that is at the heart of what uh, I think is so beautiful about, about companies, private business and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Well, and, and not to change the nature of the question you asked before, but I think one of the things that's changing globally is people are paying closer and closer to attention to the culture of the businesses that they're supporting with their money. Uh, so you have private businesses who are maybe publicly providing support to a politician or providing support to a community in a way that doesn't resonate with their audience. And the audiences are saying, hey, we want you to be more socially conscious about who you are as a business. And And as soon as you do that, we'll support you with our money and buy your product. Um, So so I think that um, the, the consciousness... Uh, is, is not just about people rising up and saying, we're going to do something that other people aren't doing for ourselves, mm-hmm. but we're also going to choose sides with the people who are with us. Yeah. And I think, I think the cool thing about what you just said is we're letting people choose what they want. We're not saying that a business can't align with a certain politician or cause. We're saying, go ahead, align with whoever you want, but I, I may or may not do business with you based on that. Yeah, and it's a weird, that's a, it's a, I, but I, like I don't know freedom, how that's going to play out, man. But I like the freedom piece of that. I'd rather you as a business owner choose what you want to focus on. Of course. And then let the market decide. Of course. Versus either a mob mentality or a government mentality right. saying, you're not allowed to, to do that. Well, I mean, I, there are certain things you shouldn't be allowed to do. You shouldn't be allowed to shouldn't treat people poorly and say, well, that's just business. Right. Right. (laughs) Tough cookies. These are indentured servants. I don't need to pay them. It's a free market. They, (laughs) they chose to be here. It's like, no, that's not how that works. But, but on the other, on another level, you want to support Trump? I'm going to put you, cause I'm, (laughs) you want to support Trump, Chris, folks, he's, I'm not saying that Chris is a Trump supporter. I'm just teasing him a little bit. Man, this this got deep quick. Yeah. But, you know, that should be your prerogative. And if you don't want to support them, that's your prerogative. And I, right. for me, it's like, let the economic chips fall where they may. I, yeah. I prefer the free market of ideas mm-hmm. and people chasing after what they value as good and wholesome. And then let people do their thing. I, yeah. I think that's better. It is. But, man, I, I've, I've seen some contentious discussions that have uh, risen uh, out of those statements. I remember uh, there was a local restaurant who basically went on Facebook uh, in one of the previous elections saying you should not vote for Obama. Okay. And if you do, 
things will change so much that the price of a hamburger is going to go up to 25 bucks. Okay. And, and, uh, and I remember people like who I, I had friends who really liked eating at this establishment who said, I'm never going back there. Okay. And, and like, I, I wonder like how much Obama was elected. Yeah. So I don't know if his post helped. Um, but it definitely divided many of his customers. So I, I think that um, telling the story of your business would include uh, being palatable to as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but in, in trying to be as supportive of your community as, uh, as, as possible. Well, you and know, and I feel like I could just completely derailed every question you've asked in the second half of this episode. No, it's good. I, it, I'm glad you're, but no, I think this is important to talk about. So I think this is a good kind of distinction that you're making. So when you said, uh, this company, before you got into the guy who was saying, don't vote for Obama, cause right. we all won't be able to afford hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> before that, I was, a, I was associating supporting a candidate with like, well, I just wrote a big check, right? Not necessarily posting on social sure. media, like don't vote for Hillary because it was more in my mind, like I'm aligning myself. So you're, you know, you're going to run for office. I've got a business. I'm going to throw totally, my we're weight behind sides. you. Yeah. And, and to me, that's, you should be able to do that. And if someone says, well, that's so offensive to me, well, whatever. I mean, this is business. Right. I, I think there's also a common sense part, which you're drawing out, which is like, why would you stick your finger in that electrical <laughs> socket? Like, what do you have to gain by putting your finger in the socket? I ask that question every day when I see yeah. people commenting on Facebook. You know, I talk about, um, I did a video on it, but like, and I think a podcast, not on this show, but about the Gillette taking that really strong stance, uh, Uh, the boys will will be boys thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked the same question. It's like, well, first of all, your whole audience is male. I'm not, I'm assuming that women buy on behalf of their husbands and boyfriends. So do they not not make a women's razor? They probably do, but that's not what they're, I think the majority, the, the majority of their market is, okay. is a men's thing is men. And funny enough, they lost like 5 billion off of their, yeah. I mean, they yeah. took a hit, but, but for me, it was like, I think it's important to say what you want to say, but you also have to respect your audience at the yeah. same time. And I think that's what I'm not putting words in your mouth about <laughs> Gillette, but it sounds like that's what you're trying to get at. You got to respect your audience. Why? And, and honestly, I'll, I'll take it a step further. I think we should be respecting, ah. I was going to say everybody, but most people, yeah. okay. um, mo- most people, um, are deserving of, of at, at the very least our decency. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a social media commentary, I suppose. Well, of course people come to the currency for all their political, social positions. <laughs> How did we get here? I'll take responsibility. It's my yeah, fault. This is all on you, man. Okay. My bad. So here's the thing. Let's shift back. Looking at New York state having to reinvent itself over and over. I think that's a fantastic picture that you painted. And it's a great point. It remains to be seen where we end up, but I love the comment that you made that we're taking responsibility for our own future. Yeah. And I think really we were trying to say earlier, that's how companies and entrepreneurship, that's how companies start. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, you know, they, they look and say, Hey, I'm choosing myself. Let's do this. thing. What can we do here? Yeah. You know where I was yesterday? Wait, no, not yesterday. A couple days ago, I went down to the town of Angelica, which is in oh, yeah. uh, Allegheny County. Lovely little town, isn't it? Yeah. So you've been? Yes. What oh. did What did you recognize about it? 
Well, I haven't been there in a while. Okay. So the reason I've been to Angelica is every so often I go down near there for the pancakes. Isn't that near oh, Angelica? Yeah, yeah that maple is... Syrup, uh, uh, what, what is, is that? the name of that place? I've written about it. It's on Exploring Upstate. Everyone calls it the Pancake House. Yeah. But that's, they do the maple syrup, buckwheat pancakes. Yeah. And then down that way is Angelica. Yeah. And I remember being in Angelica. Cute. It was, this was probably 15, 10, 15 years ago. Cute, but a little tired, the main street. And I remember there was a really cool bakery that did like sourdough bread that was off the chain. Okay. But this, that's all I remember. Was Tiny. it salt? Was it salt rising bread? Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Because that's a big thing in the Southern tier. Of maybe that's salt, what it was. Salt, salt, salt okay. Maybe bread. not sourdough, yeah. maybe salt rising. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the thing that I was wondering if you noticed was there's a ton of antique shops in Angelica in a very small concentrated place. It's a tiny town. It is tiny. Uh, but that was the result of someone saying, we don't have anything in Angelica. What should we be doing to bring people in? And they knew that they wanted to bring in people from, they knew they wanted to provide a reason for other people to visit and people kept opening antique shops. And now it's kind of like an antique hub for that part of the state. Uh, and that's what people go there specifically because it's an antique town. Uh, so in, in that same vein that we were talking about before is reinventing yourself saying, what have we got here? Sure. What are our, what are our assets? Mm-hmm. And somebody's asset was a big barn full of stuff. And they said, what can we do with this? And they've sort of built a brand around it. How do they, yeah, that was gonna be my question. So you start to say, Hey, let's, do this. And that's a whole process in and of itself, getting everybody to kind of get on board with that. But how do they, how does a town like Angelica get visibility for that story? How do you tell that story? Uh, you, you contact Chris Clemens at exploringupstate.com and you, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. So it's just one article and then you, you made Angelica. Is that what you're telling me? That's right. I've actually never (laughs) heard heard about it. Yeah, I haven't written about it, but I've been thinking that it's such a cool story because it it is a vibrant little community and it's one that you walk into that you're like, oh my God, where am I? But but they're known for this, you're telling me. It's not just that they, it's not just you walk in and go, golly, look at this. They've made a concerted effort to build this. Yes, yes and no. It's not like the town sat down 25 years ago and said, here's what we're going to do. Okay. Uh, it started with a woman who said, I've got a whole bunch of stuff and I want to start with this. I can't think of her name. Pelletary. Anyway, she doesn't own uh, one anymore. Somebody else took it over. And then somebody else saw that it was a great idea. And somebody else said, I'm going to start one as well. Mm-hmm. And then another one started. And so it kind of happened organically. It wasn't like a plan that where they sat down and said, you're going to open in this storefront, you're going to open in this storefront. It was an organic plan that came together. Uh, and now they sort of looked around and said, whoa, we've got something and we should really be doing something with this. So, so they do, I think they, they work with press and tourism groups. And I, I think if you look at the, the Allegheny County website, there's a, uh, I think there's a profile that they call it street of shops. Okay. Uh, cause I think, you know, they don't just have antique shops. They have some craft stuff and okay. there's a little sweet shop and sure. cafes. So there's other stuff, but in a bakery um, about 15 years ago. <laughs> well, uh, actually, you know what? Is it, uh, is it called the Angelica Bakery? It might be, yeah. yeah. Um, it was so remarkable. I mean, my wife and I talked about it many times. Like, we got to get back down to that bakery. It was that good? Yeah, it was that good. Oh, you know what? It's probably on my camera. I was thinking that I had a picture of it, but I think okay. it's on my camera. Okay. Uh, 
But uh, but it, 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 the the village of Angelica is quite different than other parts of Allegheny County. Uh, so how does a town get the stories of those things out there? I, I think that's changing too. Sure. Uh, I think you have people who uh, are writing for official media outlets like yep. news so and PR magazines and PR. Yep. But then I, I think you have a lot of folks like uh, doing things that I do. Sure. Uh, who just started a blog about it and it grew yep. into something. Uh, I know there's people in other states who are doing it. Uh, there's some girl in Austin, Texas. I can't remember the name of her uh, website, uh, but she started out the same exact way I did, and she's making like four grand a month, wow. according to her, with her uh, wow. with her advertisements. Uh, she's doing something more right than I am, <laughs> but uh, but Austin's but, Austin's got a lot of like national visibility too. Totally, I mean, it's a yep. happening town. Yeah, yeah. And they got South by Southwest. They've got all kinds of stuff going on in they in do Austin. Yeah. yeah. We've got the Jazz uh, Fest in Rochester. We but, do. Uh, well, I, I, and I think we have a lot of stuff that uh, is starting to get more and more attention. Buffalo is really doing awesome yeah, lately. Yeah. Uh, and they're getting a lot of national and much wider press sure. than local. But uh, but, but I, I, I think the idea of using digital media to begin to tell those stories of how people uh, discover places that they want to visit yep. is becoming uh, more and more prominent. I would think too, uh, you know, I always think from a branding perspective, a brand is a promise. And so you're, you're out there trying to make a promise, like create an expectation, come on down to Angelica. You know, we're like the antique, we're like ground zero for antiques. If You'll find VHS tapes. Exactly. That's <laughs> right. Uh, exercise tapes with people wearing uh, leg warmers and, <laughs> and uh, sweatbands. But, but the, but the point I'm trying to make is that you've got to deliver on that expectation. So there's the one thing of telling the story, mm -hmm. but I think another piece is like, what is the experience for the visitor? If they come out, if you've kind of told the story and the experience doesn't line up with the story, I'm never coming back and I'm going to tell everybody how bad it was. But on the other yeah. side, if you deliver on that or even more so, it's like, wow, this is amazing. I think a skinny Atlas, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of those towns you show up and it's like, it just blows your mind. Yeah, that's a cute town. It's a cute town and they've done a good job and it's taken them many years to, to do what they've done. Mm -hmm. But um, I think delivering on that experience and, and, and satisfying that expectation is huge. Yeah. So I think... Uh, to, to go back to another point where you we were just making about how those stories get told, I, I think stories are getting told every single minute of every single day. And I, I wrote a blog post uh, a couple weeks ago about how to be an ambassador for your community. And it was after visiting the city of Oswego, which is, uh, for other people who are listening, right on the shores of Lake Ontario. Uh, it's a little bit further removed from some of the main highways. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't say that people visit as often as they do some of the other major cities in, uh, in, in upstate like Utica, Syracuse and Albany. Um, but, uh, but I went and spent a day and just hung out and it wasn't the first time I've been in U uh, Oswego. I've, I've been there plenty of times before, but I just walked around by myself all day, morning till night going to different places to eat, taking tours, going to, uh, Fort Ontario but every single person I met was super cool. Even, um, I don't think, I, I'm not positive he was homeless, <laughs> but there was a person who was on the street okay. uh, who looked like they had been on the street for a little while. Sure. Even he was cool. Um, so... Do you know, we've just to, just to interject, we've, my wife and I have been down to Lancaster, PA. Yeah. 
And it's the same thing. It's almost like all the people on the street, like there are folks on the street that'll ask for money, that type sure. of thing. It's almost like they go through a class. I don't think that they do, but there's a certain level of politeness and there's a line that they don't, they won't cross. It's like, Hey, look, I just, just want to ask real. And if you right. say, I am sorry, whatever, there's like a level of, I'm not here to bother you. I'm not here to upset you in any way. I'm yeah. just wondering, could you spare me a buck? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, thank you. Have a nice day. Like, it's almost like, do they have a license that they have to maintain? <laughs> so a certification. It's a terrible, for, but it's just, it was so remarkable. Yeah, you know, we never felt accosted by anybody. It was almost like, okay, what's and that, and that's exactly the 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 feeling that I was going for was that never feeling accosted. You leave even with these experiences that might typically feel off putting. When you leave a community and everyone has engaged in a positive way, uh, you leave feeling, man, I love Lancaster, PA. Yeah, that felt good to visit there. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I felt after leaving Oswego. Like, man, this was a cool place. Like, I yeah. feel like I made some new friends that day. Uh, so and you want to go back at some point. Totally. Yep. So it isn't just somebody uh, who calls themselves an influencer on Instagram saying, this is a really cool place that you need to go visit. Like it takes a community of people and support saying, this is something that we want to be. And, 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 I, and again, I think that goes back to my point of uh, rather than building for tourism or rather than uh, designing your business strictly around your customer, you're designing your business around a culture of support in the community. Yeah. And that includes your employees. That includes all of the people that you impact. Yeah. And the more people who are happy, the better your business vis-a-vis -vis your community yeah. gets to do. I think it goes deeper too. I, and I, not deeper meaning uh, different, but just the values. Like a community typically shares values. These small towns have history together. Yeah. A lot of these families have been there for generations. Right. They kind of know each other yeah. or they know about each other. And um, They've been through the thick and thin together. Even when people come in from out of town to settle there, there's just some shared values, shared experiences. Same for a business, shared values, shared experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you can rally around those, I mean, you know, if you've got values that you're not happy with, you can work to change those. Right. But you started earlier talking about authenticity and, and some of those things. And it's like, you know, who are we? What do we believe in? What do we have that's unique that we can offer the world. What's us? Yeah. What's specially? And I think that works for a community as well as a business. And I think what we've been talking about is how do you identify that? Like obviously Angelica figured out somehow mm -hmm. an area that they could put a, their flag in the ground and say, this is who we are. Right. It doesn't limit them. If somebody wants to open a auto repair shop down the street, it's not like they can't. Of course. In <laughs> fact, it probably would be a great idea. Because if you have a destination where people are traveling just yeah, because exactly. you're doing antiques yeah. and somebody's car is broken down, guess yeah. what? They need somebody for that. And I, I think that's how those communities develop is that people say, like, what is missing? Right. And here's how I get to contribute. It's sort of like yeah. you're going to a potluck dinner, right? Yep. Not everyone brings the same dish. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> There's an Not argument. There was a whole online question about does... A bag of chips equal a dish to pass for a potluck. I, I remember seeing the whole poll on that on Twitter, uh -huh. but I'd say no. That, but, yeah, I would. I would go with no on that. But it's like, like but there are dishes that I also probably also would say no to. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want everyone bringing a Jello mold. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Although, man, now I feel terrible. You're going to have to edit this out because Jello was invented in Western New York. In Leroy, was it Leroy, New York? Leroy, you got yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, you can bring Jello. Maybe just not a jello mold. <laughs>
You know what I'm, I'm struck by is we're kind of wrapping up towards the end here. I, I'm thinking... Already? I know. Can you believe it? It's been almost an hour. Man. But I, I'm struck by... There are a lot of, and I deal with some of these folks as clients, and, and I've worked with these types of businesses, you know, decent-sized companies that are based in a small community. You know, I've got a, I've got a client right now out of state, but they're in a small farming community, and this, this company employs hundreds of people. You know, they're coming in from all around. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because you go, well, how does this company promote itself? Well, you know, and, and it's easy to focus on, well, what do we make? Right. But there's a bigger story. We're part of this kind of unique area. Like you were talking about New York State, all these different southern tier and western New York and yeah. Finger Lakes. But, you know, states all across the country have these regions within. Totally. And each community is unique. And I think that when we talk about story, I'm just struck as you're talking that these businesses, part of their story has to do with their community. It's not just what they make. It's not just the history yeah, absolutely. It's the community, and that's part of the story. Yeah, that's part of the opportunity. You're, if you're a small factory who's producing one very uh, not super sexy product, you still have an impact on the community. You still have an impact on all of your employees. You're hopefully someone's fixing still... those clocks, like George Eastman exactly, in that town. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, the other thing I, I guess that I was even thinking is if your business isn't performing the way that you want it to, that also means that it's potentially not performing the way that your employees want it to um, because they're trying to fix their own clocks. Yeah. Uh, And and all of that uh, impacts people. And I also think that uh, that community potentially goes even wider. When you get into some of those other parts, we've been talking about like Angelica and Allegheny County, I think just because I was there a few days ago. But uh, when you look at some of those more rural places, you have people who are potentially commuting from other communities. So your community is actually wider than just your, your immediate reach, yeah, town. Absolutely. So Chris, as we're wrapping up, what what's like one example that you can share, like to just give me a, a business that that you've come across in your travels that captured your imagination, maybe embodies some of the things we're talking about, rooted in a community, changed with the times. You know, we talked a little bit about Victor Insulators. They, they kind of went through changes with the times. Yeah. Like, is there another business that comes to mind that embodies this discussion today? Yeah, I'm, I, I actually, just in the time that you asked the question, I've now got a list and I'm trying to narrow it down to which one I actually want to talk about. Uh, there's this, uh, it's probably unconventional for the other businesses that, that you've talked about on the, cur- on the currency, but uh, there's a little place called Spotted Duck Creamery. Yes, yes. You, you know it? I've been there just within the last few weeks. I've just never the last heard of it few before. weeks? Yeah, yeah. You've like, never heard of it before? Never heard, I know. Well, that's weird because it was on Exploring Upstate a couple years ago. Uh, I, I think I forgot it. <laughs> that one slipped I through. For, yeah, I forgot my homework that yeah. week. And yeah. So Spotted Duck Creamery is a family, uh, and it's, uh, for those who are listening, it's in the, the, uh, the Finger Lakes region. It's just barely outside of Penyan, between Penyan and Seneca Lake. And uh, it's a, a, a small family, husband and wife, and they've got a few kids, and they started making uh, frozen custard using uh, eggs from spotted ducks that they raised. 
And, uh, and people said, wow, this is pretty good. And then they started expanding the business. And uh, to make a longer story short, over the last few years, they've expanded to become one of the most popular frozen treats in the state. That's crazy. Um, and it's, I mean, you were just there a few weeks ago. So you can see that they've now got, it's no longer a shed on their property. No, now it's, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a really nice uh, parking lot with a, uh, uh, a service station with a little hangout space oh, with an overhang. It's all beautiful. And that keeps and they've expanding got the geese, year they've after year. They've got the year. ducks out in the in a pen in the yard. You, yep. go, you know what was really cool about it? And I, my kids knew about this, my, my 20-something kids. And they're like, we, we're, we rented a cottage out in the Finger Lakes. And uh, at the end of the day, they're like, we got to go to the Spotted Duck. And it was yeah. probably like a 30-minute drive from where we were. But we're like, okay. And well, it blew my well, mind. Worth it. Oh, it was worth it. <laughs> But the really crazy kind of cool concept is, you know, they serve a flight of ice cream. Right. I mean, so you can't go get a sundae or a cone, I'm guessing. Yep. But the real popular thing is this board of all these glass little cup bowl things. Little mason jars. A little mason jars. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. they serve all these different flavors like chai tea and just crazy stuff. Like, I, By the way, do you know the mason jar was invented in uh, New York? No. I think it was Newark. In Newark, New York? The yeah, Mason somewhere jar. in Wayne County. Maybe Newark. Palmyra, one of those. I, I, I feel like end, we're, it's endless. I feel like we're gonna, I, I'm going to have to have someone from each state <laughs> come on and, and fluff their feathers a little bit and tell us what their state contributed, because I feel like New York's getting a lot of stroke here. I don't know if they'll be able to compete, man. We've done a lot. <laughs> hey, they don't cost the Empire State for nothing. That's right. Excelsior. Yeah. So how did you like, how did you discover that? And do you know the owners? Have you met the owners? I did. Yeah. I spent, I spent an entire day hanging out with them and, uh, this was a few years ago and I wanted to go down and write about what they were doing because it intrigued me. And, uh, uh, so yeah, I went down and made ice cream with them for a day. That's awesome. Um, frozen, frozen custard, not technically ice cream. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we went out into the barn and we collected eggs from the ducks. We went inside, but they make um, most everything right on site. They even like make their own vanilla extract. Okay. Uh, they're nice. getting berries from farmers nearby. Yeah. So it's as farm to table as you can possibly get. But, but it's um, a thriving business too. I mean, it it's, is not thriving. Just, uh, it's, it's not just like a nice idea, a little hippie experiment. I mean, this thing is booming. It's you, grown. It was a line when we were there. Yeah. And the line moved quickly. It wasn't a bad experience, but yeah. it, it was... And it's just been a few years. Yeah. I mean, I think I wrote about it, I don't know, maybe three years ago. Okay. Uh, so it's, so it's, been, it's been quick. So I really like uh, seeing things like that. I mean, we have companies like Perry's Ice Cream that sure. are local and homegrown, yep. but uh, they have such a presence mm-hmm. uh, that it, it, it is local and local and homegrown, but something like Wegmans. Like yeah. we know that oh, they're yeah. local, but they're, uh, they're an institution they're force, at this point. Yeah. Uh, so something like Spotted Duck Creamery, I, I really love seeing the success of sure. uh, small business entrepreneurship and people saying, we're going to put feet on the ground and we're going to do yeah. something with an opportunity that we've got. Uh, so you have, I think, people doing it individually. I think you have people doing it collectively, like in Angelica. Yep. And uh, and then you have some other big cities that are trying to get out of their way by putting initiatives in place yeah. uh, to say, let's get on board. Yeah. Uh, but back to the point that you asked before, I, I, I know you're, you're trying to wrap up and I, I, I keep, I got nowhere to I be. keep rolling on. <laughs> uh, but back to the point, 
you made before, I think it's easy for me to be excited about the future of the upstate New York economy um, because I've seen the passion that people have that they want to put into their businesses. Human creativity, the passion. Totally. And not everyone, not everyone has that. And I get it. And not everyone has to have that. Yep. Um, But but I think we have enough people who are super excited and are willing to say, okay, I'll be uncomfortable for a little while until this takes off. And I, I think we need to get through that uncomfortable growing stage and we'll be back on again, man. It seems like we're already... It's, it seems like we're coming back on. It seems like we're there. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff happening. I totally agree. I, I, and, I, and I will follow that up with a but. I recognize that there are many parts of the state who don't all sure. feel that. Sure. Uh, I, think we, I, I think that we are seeing great things happening in Rochester. I think folks in Buffalo are really yeah. excited. Yeah. I think you can go to certain parts, certain outposts of upstate, sure. and, and people are saying, what about us? And I think, too, to your earlier point, you know, but like an Amazon coming in. Hey, great. I mean, Amazon, assuming we didn't have to give them all kinds of free money to make it happen, but oh let's my, say they came oh in and just, my God. I know, but my point is those are jobs that would be appreciated by, by some people be like, Hey, I'm glad to be making this money, of course. et cetera, et cetera. But I think what we need to see in, in, in our state, and I think in other regions and states, the creative companies, the ice cream, I mean, and, and this isn't a little thing. They're employing people. They're, they're building. It's a, becoming a good-sized little company. But I think we need those larger uh, entities that can provide the jobs that feed families. Yeah. And so I think is the, it, that's the piece, I think, is we can start to see that. Like the, not that we have to have a Kodak. Because Kodak's this giant kind of company in the day that dominated the landscape. Right. Maybe those days are gone where you don't see those kind of monolithic businesses that, that run a town. Great question. But but to me that's that's the next. If we can, I feel like we're laddering up very nicely. The question is like where do where do those kinds of businesses come? Because that's those are the kinds of businesses that can help transform, uh, and the economic landscape for a population. You know, mm-hmm. as you're talking about, some communities may be left behind, or some communities are still needing that shot in the arm. Right. Maybe those kinds of businesses can uh, can provide that. And and really, we're looking to someone's got to have an idea and a dream and a vision and say, I want to pursue that and um, make it happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it comes down to that entrepreneurship and someone saying, this is something I want to do and I'm going to freaking go after it no matter what. And if they um, do, Chris, you'll be there to tell the story. <laughs> as long as they do it in upstate New York. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my guest today has been Chris Clemens. Chris, thanks so much for joining me. It's hey, been thank fantastic. You, Mike. It has. Yeah, I appreciate it. Guys, if you haven't already, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go check out exploringupstate.com. I spelled it earlier before, but I will put a link in the show notes so you can find uh, Chris's site. If you do find yourself there, you enjoy one of his articles or some of his content, make sure to share it. You can kick him a note as well and connect with Chris on the site. He's pretty active on social media, so I'll put some links in the show notes to his Twitter account and that so you can catch up with him. And if you haven't done so already, do me a favor and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy The Currency. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, anywhere fine podcasts are provided. Guys, I love you all, and I'll catch you in the next episode.